Howdy and welcome to the first initial episode of The Rook and the Kid, otherwise known as The Track Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the divisional round matchup between the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm the Rook, Jared May, and I'm joined by The Kid, Hunter, Hunter Poole. Poole. How's All it right, going? We're gonna, it's going great, man. Great. Glad we're getting this thing on the road and getting started. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about the divisional round matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the finals of the game was 19 to 12. The 49ers came up on top and continued the drought for the Dallas Cowboys, which is now, I believe, 27 straight years of not being able to make it to the NFC Championship game. 27 um, long years, man. 27 long years, I'll tell you. What. No doubt. No doubt. And as you can see, we are Cowboys fans. Uh, that is something we want, we want to make known on this podcast. We're on the wave. Uh, with the hats as well. Um, so my initial question to the kid would be, I guess, who is, who is to blame? Let's talk about this game actually in depth. What did we see? What did, what were the struggles? What were the positives <clears throat> for the, let's start with the 49ers. So coming into the game, you know, Brock Purdy was a big question mark. Um, yes, he was set, uh, 7-0 coming in. However, there was talk about he's never played a defense like Dallas. And last week against the Bucks, the uh, Dallas defense really showed up. Dan Quinn had his boys ready. Uh, it was actually a really nice game from uh, Israel Mikomo. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, he That's came one playing. of the toughest names in the NFL, I, I, yeah. I bet. So he came in. You know, he's playing slot corner. He played very well. Same with uh, Deron Bland. And, you know, they took that energy from the Bucks game and they brought it to the 49ers game. Off the jump, they were pressuring Purdy, you know, Three and out. Uh, just like game one, Dallas's offense was not moving the ball particularly well. And, you know, the only difference would be that uh, in the Bucks, they fit, they got it going with Dak. He was one of Dak's probably top five, top three best games he ever played. No and, doubt. Yes. And, you know, the defense was, uh, you know, when they're getting in Purdy's face, you know, Michael Parsons, you know, we talked about it a little bit on the side. He was, you know, kind of playing like a running back spy kind of deal. Wherever McCaffrey yeah. went, he went, which allowed people like Demarcus Lawrence and uh, even inside interior guys, Armstrong, uh, Watkins, Osa, those guys, you know, <clears throat> coming in and uh, doing the heat. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit about what you're thinking and what I have to say and all stuff like that. Yeah, one of the things, one of the main things you pointed out was which I was actually when we first were watching the game together, um, I was very excited to point that out about Parsons. I noticed that he was lined up over Trent Williams pretty much the entirety of the first half. He kind of simmered in the second half and went in different places, but you could tell he was following wherever Christian McCaffrey was going. They had that one swing route pass to the left. It was kind of a design screen. You know, the 49ers play was going to be get the ball out quick for Brock Purdy. He's a rookie. They want him, you know, to get the ball out of his hands in under three seconds. And so they had that design play, and I saw him just beeline towards Christian McCaffrey. And so my thoughts were, okay, you're going to put your best against your best, right? Bosa's going to go against Tyron Smith for the most part. They want to give a mismatch, a mismatch to uh, Tyler Smith on the other side. You know, they're going to have Zeke protecting as well. They're going to double team him, whatever. But one-on-one, best, best for pound, pound for pound matchup, you're going to have best on best. And so Parsons was lining up over Trent Williams. and But you could tell he wasn't rushing the quarterback. 
wherever McCaffrey was going, he was going. He was beelining that direction. And so I was like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. This is kind of a manipulated um, scheme right here from Dan Quinn, the you know the defensive genius. Parsons is actually a disguise. He's not actually blitzing the quarterback. The pressure is coming from the right side with the Demarcus Lawrence, and it it proved to work. I mean, Chris McCaffrey only had ten carries for thirty five yards. And he had that one touchdown late in the game. Uh, Elijah Mitchell had over fifty yards rushing, and it was only on that one thirteen yard rush. But the Dallas defense showed up big time in that game, which kind of leads me to my next question. You know, who is to blame for the Cowboys' loss? You know, I try. You know, you don't ever want to put the blame on one person of one particular thing. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that happened. You know, Dak didn't play very well. Also, I would say one of the biggest game changers for me was the Trayvon Diggs dropped interception. So yes, dropped that was the, an instrumental moment. He drops the interception. It was a bad throw by Purdy. Next play, they run a uh, – on third down, they run to – they throw a ball to George Kittle. They got a uh, – Defensive holding. Next play, same exact thing. They call it defensive holding on the uh, the D lineman, which is very uncommon. You know, it's not one of those normal penalties you see. It's kind of always a head scratcher because you would think, how is a defensive lineman going to hold a offensive lineman and stuff like that? Which led also to the McCaffrey three yard touchdown run. Yep. And just from there, you know, they we couldn't really uh, move the ball well. Uh, you know. Everyone always talks about Dak's uh, picks. You know, they, t- they look at the stat sheet and the box score and all that, and they talk about, oh, well, he's had these many interceptions. But then if you watch the game, you notice that there's some where they should have been intercepted. You know, you can go back t- to many games. You know, you got the Jaguars game, Tennessee game. Uh, there's a couple of them, you know. Is it a blame for the first one on Michael Gallup or him? You know thing is it's an interception and um, sorry I mean it's pretty wishy-washy like in terms of that because you know you could argue Gallup didn't fight for the ball very hard against that on that you know curl route but at the same time the ball was thrown and then the one you're referring to which proves your point is you know that Greenlaw dropped pick six interception on their final their second to final um comeback drive Head scratching. Yeah. And so I just, I don't understand it. Um, I haven't really understood it all year because, you know, in my opinion, it hasn't really been in his DNA to do that. But I agree with you. I think it's very difficult to put the blame on one person. But uh, this also leads to my next question was, you know, what was the impression of the Cowboys defense in this game? Because, you know, we saw them show up. They played instrumental. And I guess I can start with my opinion. They played instrumental. I mean, Donovan Wilson was bringing the, the lead like he usually does. He was dead hunting. Um, Demarcus Lawrence was getting pressure as well as Dorrance Armstrong. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch was pushing the pile backwards, and he was reading the runs, reading his keys very exceptionally. Parsons was on that uh, that spy. They didn't throw to Trayvon Diggs ever. Um, and I, don't, I don't recall them throwing to him one time. Yeah, not even once. And I think that even that one that, that you were talking about that was tipped and he dropped – I don't oh, yeah. even, I mean, you could argue he wasn't even in was coverage. Yeah, he was like in a zone coverage. You know, Dallas X run a lot of zones. Uh, they don't man up too much. But like you said, these teams, they respect Trayvon Diggs is a player. You know, last year they had where he had 11 interceptions. 
if people talk about, oh, he gave up a thousand yards and blah blah blah, and now they talk about how they don't even he doesn't have as many picks. I think he finished the season with uh, four, I believe. Four interceptions. Yeah, Bland had more than he did this year, but they weren't even throwing the ball. I last I would say from the Packers game on, they rarely threw him the ball, which is tremendous respect towards him. You know, sometimes you just got to make those plays, and I know he's beating himself up on it, but you know. We don't. We're not trying to put the blame on any particular player. You know, there's just key moments, and you always gotta look back at those and see what happens. Definitely. And so this kind of brings us to the 49ers. Um, you know, who's the praise for the 49ers squad, in your opinion? Uh, I think Fred Warner played an exceptional game on defense. Um, he, he really uh, made the plays when they needed to. Fred Warner, in my opinion, is the best middle linebacker in football. It's exceptional cover. There's nobody in his level with covering. He played exceptionally well. Uh, you know, Bosa wasn't really the main light of the defense that week. Tyron Smith, I think, did a great job checking him down. You know, one-on-one. They weren't really double-teaming, maybe a little bit of hedging here and there. Uh, but Fred Warner, in my opinion, was the – key factor in and on defense and even Greenlaw as well. I know he dropped that pick, but you know, you watch Greenlaw playing everywhere. Every time the ball is snapped, he is somewhere near the ball. His sideline to sideline speed is nothing like I've ever seen. I've watched a lot of 49ers games this year, uh, whether it be prime time or a noon game, whatever it may be. And that man is there every single time, sideline to sideline at the line of scrimmage. He should have been second team all pro, but you know, they're not going to try to put one guy all first team all pro on the 49ers linebacker and then a second team, you know. You know, just the politics and logistics of it, you know, they're not going to do that. But if you you watch the film, you watch the games, and he's an exceptional, probably should have been all pro. Makes him a little hungry for next year. And, you know, looking forward, we'll see what he can do. So you went defense on players to praise on the 49ers squad, um, and I agree with them completely because the 49ers defense is what showed up to beat the Cowboys. It wasn't really their offensive firepower that we thought was going to show up in the game. It's not what actually, you know, caused was the difference maker. I guess you could say, I actually, I'll go offense. And I was going to say George Kittle, George Kittle. He played the scheme very well. He had that one, you know, outstanding one-handed circus catch. Um, You can argue Trayvon Diggs could have played on the ball or whatever you want to say about that. But at the end of the day, if he did, He's a defenseless player. You know, it could be end up in a targeting 15 more yards. You know, it, anything could have happened. Um, but that play really changed the outcome of the entirety of the game because the 49ers could not move the ball. And the only times that they had really put some points on the board was that one drive and before that off of Dak Prescott's interception. And so, you know, without those things, you know, if ifs and buts were hunting nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I always say that all the time. But it is what happened. So, I think I'm going to go with George Kittle there. I think he played very well, and he plays the tight end position. The definition of the tight end position, I think he plays best in the league. Easily the best blocking tight end. And also absolutely tremendous after the catch. Great hands, great route running. No, great teammate. He does everything you want. You know, that's George Kittle. He's one of those 10 to 15 guys I probably want to start my team around. You know, not even just with this, what he can do on the field. It's more of like what he can do off the field as well. You know, great teammate. He'll never put his teammates down. He was always a big advocator for um, Jimmy G. And then Trey Lance came in. He was a big advocator. You know, now he's Brock Purdy. 
it's pretty good. And <laughs> that's know. a good one, Jim. I tell you what, that's gonna get me chuckling in the booth. Uh, yeah, no, you you could see him throughout the game, uh, just making all those faces towards like the sky cameras and all that kind of stuff. And I think seeing that as a rookie quarterback, you know, who Brock Purdy looks like a baby, and he looks like a eighteen year old kid living the dream. Looks young, just so, like me, you know? we, we just, Yeah, right. It looks like the kid out there. And, you know, you see that relaxation from a veteran player like George Kittle. It has to put some comfort on your rookie quarterback, I would think. Um, and so I, I would guess, you know, like you said, that's a great player to put your team around. Electric, a fire starter. So, yeah, definitely George Kittle as a high-praising player on the 49ers squad. Um, do we have any predictions for the 49ers versus the Eagles, in the NFC championship this weekend? It's a big time game. Eagles and Cowboys would have been better. That's just my bigger. That's just my opinion, but we've got a big game next week. Any predictions? You know, it's so hard to root for these teams because they're probably my two least favorite teams holding the NFL, but, uh, I, I'm going to go with the Eagles this week. I think it's to be a really, you know, maybe not too high scoring, uh, maybe kind of the middle. I'm going to go 24, 21, uh, Dallas. Or, sorry, excuse me, Eagles. Sorry, I got Dallas in my head, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, they live in our, live in our head rent-free. Oh, yeah, really they matter. do. I think oh. the Eagles are going to do uh, very well. They're going to stick to their uh, ID, which is, you know, running the football. Um, the Niners the last couple of weeks haven't been too particularly well stopping the run. Uh, you know, they stopped Zeke a little bit, but, you know, Pollard was getting a little bit of carries. You know, he was doing uh, – Six carries for 22 yards. Uh, their defense, has been, yeah, their defense has not been doing too well stopping the run. And you know, the Eagles are not going to change who they are. RPOs, running the ball. Jalen Hurts, he's, he looked he looked all right last week. You know, he's going to get healthier. Um, exceptional offensive line for the Eagles. Best you know, in the league, I would argue. Best in the league. You know, some people are calling it. You know, maybe top five offense line ever for a season you know this group they don't lane johnson jason kelsey all those guys you know protecting hurts and i think that also their uh pass rush can get to purdy and we saw last week with the dallas game if you get pressure in his face you know and it's not even if you if he rolls out if he rolls out and you still have someone in his face he he'll give you a couple it just you gotta capitalize on it and 49ers are very best at if you don't capitalize off their mistakes, they're going to make you pay for it. But I got I agree with all those points. 24 21 uh, Philadelphia. All right, y'all. You heard it from the kid. So the Rook thinks, I think, that we saw in the, in the previous game, Dak Prescott had a lot of success running the ball, which is not something we normally see from him anymore. They've kind of developed him into a you know, pass, pocket passer whatsoever. He had four rushes for 22 yards. But each of those rushes were very, very instrumental in the game. Now they're going into Philadelphia against arguably and what has been the absolute best team in the NFL this year, week in and week out, which as as much as it pains for me to say that, as a team that runs RPOs and designs runs specifically for Jalen Hurts and where Jalen Hurts has derived most of his success from. So you, you mentioned earlier that the 49ers have been, you know, not been as good defending the run as they have been. And going into the biggest game of the year, this could be a, a real challenge for him, you know, covering Jalen Smith or Jalen Hurts, you know, on the run. And so I think that being said, Nick Sirianni is probably as much as 
he's the perfect coach for the Eagles. He's just kind of yes, a nasty is. guy, yeah. it looks like, from the media perspective. And but I just think that you know, 49ers going to roll in there and they're going to kind of get a little bit of shell shock from the Eagles. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a mid-scoring range game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. If anything, it's going to be, you know, no more than 25 points for each team. It's going to be a lot of running the football. Uh, I got my official prediction. I, I think it's going to be a, a little bit of a lower score. I think it's going to be 21-17 Eagles. And we got some smash smash mouth football this week, baby. Get ready. Smash mouth. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'll tell you what, though. I was I had this very weird conspiracy theory that, you know, we've always said that, you know, NFL might be rigged, whatever. We always joke about that. And, you know, it's all a money game. And so we were thinking that – and this is why they argued on Twitter – and I can pull up the tweets, you know, another time. But that's why they argued on Twitter that they thought Vegas was against the 49ers because they thought, you know, the most money-making game would be a Dallas Cowboys versus Philadelphia Eagles NFC Championship game. I mean, every game that was most viewed this year was the Dallas Cowboys. And so you're thinking, wait a minute, you know, this could this could be actually it. But, you know, obviously it wasn't. And we've got the 49ers and Eagles game, which is still an outstanding matchup, you know. Uh, since Fortnite or since they got McCaffrey undefeated. So it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a great game. All right. Well, the Rook and the Kid podcast, episode one, this uh, was an awesome, awesome honor. We're excited to get started. And we'll Thank have some more listening. content for you guys this week. Thank you for listening, guys, all those zero people listening. Thank you. We hope to see you all <laughs> next time as well. Yes, sir. All right. Take it easy.